Hey, everybody, it's Josh Band. I am the host of Spotlight, a podcast where we highlight baseball players and coaches and entrepreneurs in the baseball community. We just kind of shed light on what they're doing, what they're up to. Um, we try to tease and pull out knowledge from them uh, so we can all learn from them, uh, you know, in the baseball community. So today we have an awesome, super special uh, guest. His name is Casey Smith. He is the owner of Outfront Hitting. He's a professional hitting coach. He's coached athletes at all levels. Um, he's coached major leaguers, Nick Castellanos, Michael Chavis, DJ LeMayhew. Um, he was a ninth round pick for the Padres, had a massive um, career at, uh, at an awesome school um, where he dropped a lot of nukes because I saw that <laughs> on Oprah. On I, I didn't even tell you that. Uh, but we got him here with us. Um, I can't wait to talk to him about his hitting philosophy. Um, I'm on his page constantly. I don't even play baseball anymore. Just the way he coaches is captivating. He's such a great communicator of, of baseball and hitting mechanics. Um, so without further ado, uh, welcome Casey Smith. Super um, excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, like I said in that uh, super extended intro, I you know, we've, we, we haven't met in person. Um, and you know, we talked a, a week or two ago about, about being on the podcast. Turns out, you know, we knew a bunch of the same people. We, we played in a couple of same places in the frontier league. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but kind of what, what really made me want to talk to you is just your, your hitting philosophy. And that's what I really want to dig into now. Um, you know, we mentioned that you got drafted in, in 2005. I mean, we were taught the same way. Let's chop balls on the ground. Let's beat balls out. Let's get backspin. Um, and I even remember, you know, my hitting coach would just show me pictures um, in like a flip. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's just like hitting's just completely changed. And I think you epitomize kind of like that change and just watching you coach. Like I love watching those videos. Like I have no vested interest, honestly, <laughs> no offense in any of your players, but like, you have some some players that just have gorgeous swings, so uh, I'm super excited to dig into that. But um, yeah, for sure. Place to start is if if you could just give us some background about you, um, who you are, how you got into baseball. Tell us a little bit about your college playing career, and I'll just I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Just tell us a little bit um, about yourself. Yeah, so um, like you said, I got drafted in '05. I played at a tiny little Division two school in South Carolina called Erskine College. Uh, we had 800 students. Um, and you know, no football team, you know, baseball was kind of the big sport there. Um, and the reason I went there and it's, it's, this is one of the things that nobody knows is I actually went to college as a pitcher. Um, I came out of high school, more of a football player. Baseball was what I loved my whole life, but I, I got way more offers for football. Uh, and just wasn't getting many looks for baseball, uh, except as a pitcher. And I went to Erskine, um, because I fell in love with the head coach. So I went on the visit there. Uh, I, I, I like the school, I like the setting, but the head coach was why I went there. And when I first came in, you know, I come in as a pitcher and he knew that I, I played, you know, a, a position in high school too. And I was like, Hey coach, like, you know, I'd, I'd still like to try to hit. And he was like, all right. And so, and I tell this story all the time. I, this is when my baseball career as a player and as a coach changes, I go out on the field the first day BP. I'm, I'm like inside outing, like side spin ground balls to the second <laughs> baseman. And he throws me like five or six pitches and he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm coaching. You know, I'm, I'm trying to stay inside the ball. Like I'm trying to, you know, swing down. I'm trying to hit the ball on the ground. And he was like, no, let's get the barrel out there and hit the ball over the trees. Yeah. And from that point on, obviously it, there was more to it than that, but he changed my entire perception of what hitting was, what our goal was at the plate, 
uh, and how to go about getting there. And from then on, you know, then my, he actually called my parents and was like, hey, uh, yeah, he's not going to pitch for us. And they were like, what? What happened? He goes, he's going to hit and he's going to get drafted as a junior yeah. and get out of here. Now, here's the funny part. We had never had any players drafted out of that school mm-hmm. in the 140-year history. There had been a handful of guys that signed as free agent contracts, and that's it. And so he saw what I was able to do, and then I, under you know his philosophy, which it was mechanical and the approach, which is we'll get into that too when we start to talk about it. Uh, it, it changed my life, um, yeah. and I went from a mediocre hitter that had power but it never showed up in high school to you know what I did in college and then was able to go on to play pro ball. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to the big leagues, but you know that's. That's another story. Um, pro ball is a totally different animal, but <laughs> what pro ball did give me the ability to do was to see what it's like against that kind of pitching uh, and understand, you know, the flaws of my own swing and then meet a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, I've stayed in touch with, which is funny because when you first called me talking about uh, Matt Antonelli, uh, mm-hmm. is that yeah. me and Antonelli played together my second year with San Diego. Um, so, and, and he's, it's funny because, you know, he's gone on to become, uh, you know, uh, a big guy on social media, great hitting coach, uh, runs a big, you know, fantastic program there in, in Boston. So uh, it's been really cool to see, um, you know, where he's gone as a coach as well. So, um, but yeah, man, you know, we were all taught hands to the ball, stay inside, mm-hmm. swing down, yep. put the ball on the ground, uh, stay short, you know, big movements are bad. We want to, you know, it's so understanding, you know, the, the cliches from hitting, the one thing I never understood, and this is going back into high school, is I was a pitcher. Okay, I'm trying to get ground balls as a pitcher, and then as a hitter, they're telling you hit the ball on the ground, and that, that's the funny <laughs> yeah. thing. I just I couldn't ever comprehend what, why, like, yeah, why why do I want to hit the ball on the ground when you're telling me as a pitcher to get him to hit the ball on the ground? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you know, just that all of those learning experiences, you know, were then allow me to now as a coach. And when I think about it, man, I've been coaching for, oh boy, 14 years. Uh, I started coaching the year I got drafted. I was giving lessons in the off season um, just as a way to make some extra money and, you know, started instructing. And I'll be honest, as a, as a player, teaching it made me a better player. So the more I taught it, I felt like, you know, it helped me understand my own swing more. And so yeah. then I actually you know, really benefited. And so I encouraged a lot of the programs that I work with, especially the minor league guys, to, to work as an instructor in the off season because they'll learn more about themselves when they're teaching than they were when they're just hitting. Um, because if you can communicate it, then it means you truly understand it. You know, it, it, you, you really start to have a deeper understanding of what you're trying to do as a hitter if you can help somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where I feel like that benefit came in. And then uh, in, let's see, 07, I got released to the Padres, uh, played two years in the Frontier League. Uh, so yep. 09 was my last year. Um, and uh, then after that, I started giving lessons full time, had a facility in Atlanta. Uh, and then my wife is the reason we moved up to Detroit. So we're here now uh, because of her job. I'd have been up here for three years. So nice. that's kind of how I got into it. Um, yeah. Been doing it way longer than I realize now I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you so you you brought up so many, so many points. And like right now, there's 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 a bunch of different things I want to ask. I think, um, you know, my. I have my own my own kind of take on why we were taught a certain way, right? So when I when when I was taught, we talked about those really really simple, um, you know, hitting cues: stay inside the ball, no large movements, down to the ball, 
down the hill, through the tunnel, up the hill, squish the bug. Like that, that is ingrained in my brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was talking, you know, the last podcast, I was so dogmatic about that, right? I was practicing so hard, so late all the time, the wrong thing. I was so good at hitting ground balls in the short <laughs> And I'm a lefty. I, yeah, I was the best at being really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in like my, my, my philosophy on that was kind of, um, it was taught that way because it was easy to communicate, right? It's easy to tell someone something like that, but then it, but, but hitting is not easy. It's super difficult. It's this complex series of sequences and movements and, 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 and creating tension and releasing tension. And you just can't have a dad that's coaching literally communicate that effectively. So I think it just kind of all materialized into this just kind of easy to communicate bad way that just kind of like cookie cutter sense of baseball. And that's how we grew up. And, uh, and I, I would love to talk about the switch that, you know, that he made, because I know your, your coach told you to, you know, get out in front and do this, but I know there's so much more that went into that. Uh, yeah. but kind of the place I want to start is actually is, is with your coach. Like I went to a school, not because I liked the coach. In fact, it was, it was kind of the opposite. I went to a school because I liked the school and I liked the players. I went to Rollins college in Florida. Um, so it was like beautiful school, um, you know, good baseball, um, you know, good league. I thought I could get drafted out of there, but I didn't go for the coach. And look, looking back on that, I, I hear people like you and you have these, these, you know, these pivotal moments where you meet someone that really, really helps you. And I had that person, but it came from a teammate uh, when I was in the Frontier League. But, um, you know, I'd like to hear more about your coach and why you liked him and what made him kind of a good coach, because I'm sure you, you, you took a lot from him. And then maybe some of your advice on that. I mean, do you, kids that are going to AAU, I get this question all the time. Like, should I go to AAU because it's a good program or because it's a good coach? And I'm like, follow the coach, follow the guy that cares about you, follow the guy that's always learning. Like you've been coaching for so long and you're still just like, the more, you know, like the less you feel like, you know, type of guy, you know what I mean? Oh, dude, it's so, and, and, uh, on yeah. that point right there, it's so funny you said that. So I was actually talking uh, with one of the Ohio state coaches uh, yesterday. And I literally said what you just said to him. I was like, the older I get, the less I feel like I know. And the more I'm trying <laughs> to learn. Like, yeah. I was 24. I'm like, dude, I got this figured out. I know how to hit. Like, what are you doing? And now I'm 35. And I'm like, man, I'm just scratching the surface. Like, yeah, I'm just now starting to see some things that's making me want to learn even more. Um, and I, I would say it's not so much like learning about how a swing is supposed to work. Like, and then there's a, a lot of people out there that know how a swing works. I, you know, you mean you can sit there and look at a swing, but like, yeah, that's a good swing. Like the, yeah. there's, it's, it's being able to take a guy that is really close and then figure out how to communicate what he needs to hear. You know, I can tell you what you need to do right, but doesn't mean that it's going to work. I need to tell you what you need to hear to get you to where you want to get to. And that's where, as a coach, what I'm trying to learn is as many ways as I can possibly get to say the same thing, basically, so gotcha. that I can co- communicate hitter to hitter. My job is not to impose, you know, what I think on a hitter. Like I, I'm not trying to make him do what I want to do. My job is to get him to be the best version of himself and get him to trust what he's doing by communicating in a way that it makes sense to him. Because uh, mm-hmm. I can say it and it be right and it still be wrong. And that's mm-hmm. where you get players that are like, man, this coach didn't help me. It's not that coach was telling him something wrong. It's that coach wasn't communicating it 
for that kid. And it doesn't mean the coach is wrong or the kid's wrong. It just means there's miscommunication. Um, so that's the thing that I try to do the most with players is figure out how to communicate to them. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to get them to the same place. But then you also go to different bodies move different ways. Different hitters process things differently. They have mm-hmm. different goals. You know, a guy that's six five and runs a seven four is not going to have the same goals at the plate that a kid that's five eight and runs a six. You know, three is going to have like it's just not. And yeah. so you you but you know at the end of the day we all want to be the best hitter that we're capable of being. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. And that's for me just figuring out the best ways to communicate things instead of all right, I got a hundred hitters and I'm telling them all the same thing. Well, somebody's going to get left behind. That's mm-hmm. just that's the way it is. So, going back to my college coach, um, so his name's Kevin Nichols. Uh, he's now the head assistant at College of Charleston, um, and to me, he's one of the best college coaches in college baseball mm-hmm. uh, from a from a hitting standpoint, um, especially from an approach standpoint. What you're trying to do with the plate mentally, mechanically, it's get the barrel in the zone for a really long time to give yourself a really big window to make solid contact and do damage out front. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do. Um, he, he's a, it's a simplistic movement, but that's got good rhythm, good tempo, uh, low effort, efficient swings. Um, you know, that's his thing. And that, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing in pro ball, that's something he preached at for a long time is being able to hit high fastballs. You know, we were, we were really, really, really good at hitting high fastballs in college. Uh, and you're seeing the game, is going north and south at the big league level uh, because guys that are trying to create elevation and, you know, everybody talks about launch angle. Launch angle is nothing new, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's like, oh, you can't have a launch angle swing. Like, what? What? Like, <laughs> what? I, I don't understand. And look, and I don't knock these guys because I see, you know, like A-Rod's one of the big ones and, like, I respect A-Rod a lot. A-Rod's one of the best hitters to ever it's, play. You're talking about that, that video where he says, this is how I hit, and then everyone mm. just pulled that video right but next to him. you know what? Yeah. If that's how A-Rod thought he hit, mm-hmm. then do that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to tell A-Rod what he's doing. Like, uh-uh. But that's fine. But, you know, visually, you know, it can look one way, but what he feels and what he thinks, that's what worked for him. And great. And that's where I talk about the communication between hitters is like, what you think and what actually happens don't have to be the same thing. Okay. Because if I think I want to hit the ball in the air and I go dump the barrel, collapse rearward, get stuck, swing straight up, hit everything with top spin. You know what? I can't think that. Okay. If I need to think about going down to the ball so that I create a swing path that works the right way, then swing down, like think swing down. Don't mean you're going to, but if I get a kid, that actually does swing down and he pushes and he's steep. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him swing straight up. And so (laughs) like that, that's where it's like, there's no, there's no right way or wrong way. It's, 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 everybody's trying to take an efficient swing. So when I talk about efficient swing, it's I want to get the barrel in the zone on plane early and stay there for as long as physically possible with plate coverage. That's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you got to think, do a cartwheel all right, stand on one foot and, you know, <laughs> spin around. It, do, it doesn't matter what you think, yeah. right? And it doesn't matter what you're feeling as long as it gets the right result. Okay, so I can't impose what my swing thought was on A-Rod. And A-Rod can't impose his swing thought on somebody else because it may not work for them. And there may be a kid that it really does work for. So, you know, that that's where 
just trial and error and figuring out what works. But at the end of the day, if you watch the best hitters that ever played the game, they all do the same thing. Mm -hmm. All right. From a barrel pass standpoint, you don't hit for high average and big power numbers unless your barrel path is efficient, period. Like you just can't. Um, If you go back and go from Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Stan Musial, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and then you come up to today and you look at Pujols, A-Rod, Manny, um, Jim Tomey, and then you come into today, you look at Mookie and JD, and like you look at the best hitters in the world and you watch their barrel paths, they're all going to be pretty similar. Now, they're identical. They, yeah. I, I know. Okay? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. What they do before they swing might be different. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they all may have completely different swing thoughts. Okay. And approaches. But at, at the end of the day, they're all doing the same thing. Okay. Once they go to swing, I mean, it's just, yeah. you don't become the best hitters in the world unless you do that. Yeah. So I, I would love to kind of dig in that a little bit, right? Cause you touched on like something that I think really, and num- number one, I, I couldn't be in more agreement with you like a hundred percent. I want to like yell preach, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like I, you know, we grew up in the same school of thought, you know, the same era of coaching the down to the ball, all this different stuff. And it was just very much cookie cutter. And now, and I love the way, I love the way that, that your number one goal is communication, right? So I, I have like a group of kids that I still, I, I, I just, I still do some lessons, but we had like a cage in the play crate, like warehouse and everything. And, and so I would do lessons with like some of my guys that were in college. And, and I, I always told them, I say, it is not your fault if you do if you do something wrong it's my fault i go i might have to communicate it 10 different ways for it for it to let sink in but i go that's not your fault i say that all the time i say yeah. it all the and time. then they're just like ah okay cool i can ask don't, questions don't, i can yes, test. I can, yes. Test. I can do that yes. and um and it's just a much better line of communication and and when i had man antonelli on he said the same thing he goes josh he's like kids need to be their own hitting coaches you can have a trusted person or a coach or someone that helps you cultivate your ideas or gives you new ideas to try. But he's like, at the end of the day, you're the student, you're your okay. own coach. I got yeah. I got something I got to say on that. Cause that you just yeah. fired me up. Cause that's something yeah. that I, I, I talk about this constantly is the hitters. If I do my job correctly, the hitter is his best coach, not me. And yeah. I'll tell my guys, I'm not your coach. I'm information. Okay. You are your coach. You are the one standing in the box at the end of the day with the bat in your hand. And if you're relying on somebody else to do it for you, to tell you what to do, you'll never be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm constantly telling guys, ask questions. Don't be afraid to mess up. Like it, it's, it's, we've got to communicate what we're trying to feel. And if it, it doesn't make sense, then I need to change how I'm doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, so that you, you just, yeah, you you hit on it all day right there. I I, I love that. I had something else I was going to add, and now I got too excited. And I, I totally forgot. I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably think of it in a second. But it, it, yeah, I mean that's it. when you're coaching. You know, if if the oh that's what I was my, what I tell them. I told you I think of it in a second. My head's going yeah. you know miles an hour. I tell them all the time. I want to be an ankle brace for mm-hmm. your swing, not a wheelchair. Okay. Yeah. I'm a support uh, system. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm a support system. I'm there to keep you in line. All right. Kind of like the, you know, the, the, the bumper pads in a bowling lane. Like I'm going to kind of guide you down the lane, 
but I'm not the one rolling the ball. Like if I'm the one wheeling you up to the plate, all right, and holding your hand through everything, then I'm not doing my job. You, I have to, my job as a coach is to get you to understand where you need to be and then allow you to feel it yourself so that you can make your own in-game, in-swing adjustments long-term. And that's, that's mm-hmm. where I, if I've done my job, my, my players are the best when they are doing it themselves, not me. So all, all I'm trying to do is be as much information as I can possibly be to them. And that's my challenge for my players is you're not going to make your changes when you're in the cage with me. You're going to learn how to make the changes and then you're going to go make the changes on your own. If you're mm-hmm. expecting to make adjustments, sustainable adjustments in the hour or two that you hit with me a week, you're never going to make them. Yeah. Okay? But if you take the information and then go apply it on your own, then you're going to make sustainable long-term changes that will allow you to be successful. Yeah. So, yeah. You're kind of like the, the theory of, right. of baseball, but they actually have to put it into practice. They have to put theory 100%. into practice, see what actually works. Yep. Um, which, which kind of takes us back to swing thought, right? And swing thought is something that no one ever talks about. And it, it, we are seeing it like pool host you mentioned earlier, like pool house, like one of the most gorgeous swings ever. Like people replicate him. He thinks down to the ball. He goes, this guy. he's this guy. Yeah. <laughs> that all those, all those dingers. And that's, but that's what he thinks. And that's, that's where people are getting tripped up. Like it is September, 2019. And we've had this like wave of data, of information, of new coaches, of people who are like, this is the first time where like, I feel like the sky's open and I finally am like, that's how you hit a baseball. Like mm-hmm. that's how you hit a baseball the other way. And it took me so long um, to do that. Uh, do I still got you there? Yep. Yep. I'm still here. Sorry. I had a, I had a, a phone call come in. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Cool. Uh, one second. This is what happens. There's there's always one thing that happens at a podcast where the audio <laughs> cuts out or something. My uh my headphones are just reconnecting. Let me see I if still, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I can still see you too, so I'm good. You good? Lost you. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Cool. Yep. That's fine. I might not even cut that out. I don't even care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what we were talking about was swing thought. And um, I just wanted to get your opinion on it. So so I, I know that, you know, what you think your swing should be and what it actually is going to be. It doesn't matter. You just want to be successful. Yep. I get that. How do you communicate that? And how what are, what's your how do you get to a place where you finally say, I don't need to worry about. Um, how Aaron Judge swings, or A-Rod, or anyone. This is me. This is what my thought is. This is what's working. And and not to like make this question go even deeper, but how do you know if that's working, right? If you're hitting 350, that's great. Could you be hitting 360? What? Because you're always, always, always improving. The best people in the game, obviously, they're never gonna they're never gonna stop improving and learning. So, uh, you know, how do you not overcorrect? I guess in, in your yep. thought, you know what I mean? So, so if, about that. Yeah, yeah, I can. So. There's a bunch of different things I, I'm going to go on there. So this is going to be a, a little bit of a long-winded answer. Uh, <laughs> the, fir- the first thing to think about, and this is what we were talking about, swing thought and what guys feel and think. What do you think about two swings, okay? Who who would you say has a – if you really watch the swing path, okay, who has a more lofted path, okay? So more of what you would say an upward swing path through the ball, Chipper mm-hmm. Jones or Josh Donaldson? 
Upper, upper swing path, I would say Josh Donaldson. I've watched that, Chipper hit in the cage, low tee, gets on top of the ball. Okay, but then in the game. Exactly. And that's where mm-hmm. I was about to go with. If you watch yeah. Chipper's swing path in the game, he creates more natural loft than Donaldson does. Mm-hmm. Donaldson has a flatter path. Okay. His path is not as upward, but he talks about it. Okay. Because that's his triggers. Okay. But if you watch the home runs he's been hitting recently, they look like freaking tee shots. They're up. They're all up in the zone. Yeah. Donaldson does not work very uphill. He Mm -hmm. matches pitch plane, and and he actually doesn't match it as much as guys think. Like, he's not a big, like, tilt. The guy, what I would call a flat hack, has one of the flattest hacks in the game. Okay? And he doesn't hit these big, like, you know, he's the bringer of rain, all right, but he's bringing rain <laughs> with line drives, okay? Piss, what? piss missiles. Yeah, just piss missiles. Piss missiles, okay? And, uh, you know, that, for me, that's Pujols. That mm-hmm. is Pujols all day long, yeah. okay? Chipper thought more down because that was his trigger to keep him from working whatever flaw that showed up if he tried to lift. Yeah. That, so he's in the cage reminding him of his cues okay where donaldson is whatever his cue is is and i the, for me i've never talked to either one of them about it but the, what i see is when chipper thinks down and this is one of my cues for my hitters is we think about connecting high so when i thought down my hands would connect high and that's the mm-hmm. movement i'm trying to get is i'm trying to make sure as i turn and i turn the barrel that i'm trying to keep my hands at my shoulder that i'm not dumping to connection okay yeah okay so chipper when he thinks down his hands stay high in his first move gotcha when donaldson thinks up he's thinking more front elbow and so the front elbow getting up but it's the same movement so chipper's thinking down he keeps his hands high donaldson's thinking up he keeps his hands high they do the same thing yeah (laughs) i love the way you just explained that by the way i mean that because that that contextualizes it People don't have context because they can't. And, and you know, part of this is on a podcast. I, I want everyone to go to YouTube so they can actually watch your movements. Because when you're when you're explaining it and talking about it, it, it makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? And and with without context, you can't place it, right? So Donaldson says, "I I think up." Does that mean elbow? Does that mean hands? Does that mean tilt? Does that mean posture? Does that mean lean? Like yeah. what what does that what mean? What is that What's that? It's an internal cue for him. And at what point in the swing, like, does the swing path need to work slightly up? Absolutely. Okay. Because the pitch is going to be anywhere from, you know, a downward four degree to downward 10 or 11 degree. So, yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm going to work up at 25 degrees. Like, you know, I want to match pitch plane. Okay. So what do we match pitch plane with? We match pitch plane with posture. Okay. That's it. Right. I'm going to make sure that I connect high to everything. Okay, if I connect low, I'm in trouble. I'm going to connect at my shoulder so that I connect in the same place every single time to every single pitch. And then wherever the pitch is, I just take my back shoulder to the ball. That's it. Okay, if the ball's away, I'm going to turn my back shoulder that way. If the ball's up and in, I'm just going to turn to it. Like where where we get in trouble is we start trying to match pitch planes with our arms away from our body instead of connecting high. And then I just turn to wherever the ball is. The lower it is, the more tilt I'm going to have. The higher it is, the flatter my shoulders are going to be. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's 
that's such a great way to communicate that. And obviously, like that, that's a great starting point. Like if you're, if, if if you're obviously if if you're this far into a thirty minute podcast and you're nerding out as much as we are right now about about about, about how to hit a baseball, right? And we're not, we don't even play baseball anymore. But like, the, it's just so interesting to think that you know this was our lives. Like I'm, I'm, you were, I'm sure you were just a cage rat, like I was, like I, you know day. what I mean. Almost to, a, almost to a flaw, like I would just hit and hit and hit and hit. Yeah, and it and it just doesn't matter because I like like we said at the beginning of this podcast, I did the same thing. I would just con. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I I'm, I'm not that. You know, I'm five eight. I'm not I'm not that big. I played middle infield. I'm not gonna hit all those jacks. But I was like, I need to outwork people, and I did that. But I did it the wrong you way. You trained yourself the wrong way, right? I trained so myself I, out of it. I'll tell you, and this is you know people have asked me the basis of my foundation. You know, I got into pro ball and I'm learning all this new stuff and, you know, people start coming off the launch angle and they're talking about this. And then like our BP in college, like we were hitting as many home runs as physically possible. Oh, okay, man, I would have loved it was, to go there. Teams would, teams would stop and what they were doing and watch our BP. We even had one of our conference rivals. Their coach wouldn't let them come out of the locker room until we were done hitting. Because you already won the game at that point. Literally, you already won the it game. It was so ridiculous what we were doing. One through twenty-five was just launch, just absolute yeah. laser show. Okay, there wasn't a single guy in that in that entire team that was thinking swing up. Nobody. Okay. What were they thinking? What were they- all right? So I'll kind of I'll kind of start over a little bit. So I said we're taking BP. You know, our our BP was just an ungodly laser light show. Uh, and, but like I said, nobody in that entire team was thinking swing up, Mm -hmm. right? It was hit the ball really far. Um, and that's, there's, there's, I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent with that a little bit. One of the things I tell my guys all the time is I don't want to try to hit the ball as far as I can. I want to try to hit it as hard as I can. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going for distance. I want to just nuke it Mm -hmm. as often as possible. Um, if you hit the ball hard consistently, it means your barrel path is where it's supposed to be. Okay, because if you're hitting the ball inconsistently hard or if the only balls that you hit hard are, say, on the ground. Yeah. Okay, then that's where we run into issues. If you're if you're consistently hitting the ball hard, you know, line drives and in the air, then then we're good. But so the reason we thought down, okay, if and you can see it on, you know, on the video part of it down to me made me like I talk about connect high. And so what it would do is we would get that pull and stretch back up. Mm-hmm. to connect and we would connect up here at the shoulder and then we would turn behind the ball and catch it out front so th- your barrel path once you enter the plane of the pitch the farther out front you catch it the higher it's going to go mm-hmm. okay if i'm trying to create elevation deep in the zone my path is too much like this okay so i'm working from below it too much to up because the upward trajectory is going to be deeper in the zone Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to match that pitch plane as long as possible. So I'm trying to be as long through that plane as I possibly can. The more I catch it out front, the more it's going to elevate naturally. It's just the way it's naturally going to happen. Yeah. Because if you hold posture, and this is where I talk about, we were creating elevation with our bodies. Okay, by turning around a center point. So this is I could get really technical, but but basically your spine stays centered, and your posture dictates the angle of the barrel through the zone. So therefore, if you're turning on that natural path, the farther it goes out here, the higher it's gonna go, okay? And so if the ball's down, 
you're going to have more of an upward tilt. If you're going to, if the ball's up, it's going to be flatter. But if the ball's up, it's easier to elevate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we would do when we were in BP is by thinking down, it was just making sure that we didn't do this, that we didn't disconnect yeah. and dump backwards. And that was my big thing. What he, my college coach would yell at me was, I get big. And getting big would be, I would lose spine angle towards the catcher. I would get stuck in my rear hip and my barrel would work slightly below the ball more than it should. Mm-hmm. And I would foul fastball straight back or pop them up. Yeah, and you, can only, you can only hit low and in, right? So that's, exactly. that's, yeah. So that's the only pitch that you could hit. Cause that, cause sometimes with BP when I, and, and I don't want to cut you off, but I, I mean, this yeah. is, this is like my guilty pleasure is like, I want you to di- dissect my swings from like 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so like I'm, I, you know, typical lefty, but when, when when I was hitting really really great, you know, it, it it wasn't necessarily the opposite way. It was right center. When I'm hitting really bad, I would just pull. You know, I would if I hit a double, it would be you know pull double down the line, and just lots lots of pop ups because I would kind of, and I want I want to explain this verbally as much as possible because because of the podcast. But I would disconnect back here. I would go towards the catcher. I would try to force this elevation, and then I just get you know. Just a, a, a lot of a lot of nice pop ups and a lot of ground balls to second base and, and first base too, um, but you know if you could, you know the way that you fix that because I think people, people, everywhere. I mean I did it, you did it. I mean that's like a super common mistake. You said disconnect. Could you talk about like let's let's get nitty gritty? I know I know you like to do this too. So you know you connecting with 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 your back shoulder. That just that made so much sense, and when you visually did it, it, I mean, it was like a perfect representation of how to fix something really common, right? And I also wanted to dive into your coach said, "Don't get big." That that inherently means nothing, right? Until you're about to explain it, like you did. So I want to hear like when a coach says, "Don't get big," this is what they mean, and this is this is what they mean by it, because I think that's that that swing thought we were we were talking about. Like your coach knows what he's talking about. But to, to make sure you know exactly what he's talking about it needs to be communicated differently. I think that's like your superpower. So I want to hear more about disconnecting backwards and how to how to break that habit. So it, it's kind of a loaded question because how you break the habit depends on the hitter. That was a loaded so question. There's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there, and I could go through some of the ways that I like to do it. Um, it, it also depends on when they're disconnecting and why. Okay. So if you get a kid, say you get a kid that when he goes to, to gather his body weight in, in his pre-pitch rhythm, he sways. Okay, so the body weight sways. They get stuck over their backside and they can't do anything but create space. So this is where I'm going to answer this, the, the question the best. There's two things that the body wants to do. Okay, it, the, the body wants when we swing. We need space. Okay, so we need space between our lower half to work. We need space between us and the ball, okay? And then we also need space within our framework for our hands to work, okay? That's where posture comes in, mm-hmm. right? The other thing that we want to do is our body wants to turn centered, okay? So you think about the most athletic position you could possibly get in, your body weight is 50-50, okay? We want to hit from a 50-50 position. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be too far forward. We don't want to be too far back, Okay. So getting to those positions, so one of the drills that I do all the time is called the launch drill. And you would be amazed, I mean amazed, at how many hitters, both young guys and even big leaguers, 
I say, get to the position you want to be in when you fire. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the second that you pull the trigger, all right. And so trigger for me is when the front heel strikes the ground. Mm -hmm. So whenever it heel strike, that is what triggers everything to go. Okay. So when you get to heel strike, where do you want to be? And they'll get in that position and it looks absolutely nothing like what their actual swing does. Yeah. Like they have no idea. And I'm like, and so the first question I'll ask them is, does that feel powerful? Do you feel balanced? Do you feel athletic? Do you feel like you can fire instantly from that position? And they'll go, no, <laughs> because they're getting to the position that somebody taught them to get to. Yeah. Okay. Instead of getting the position that they actually want to get to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, and what the, the one I usually see, and I can't, it's hard to demonstrate it, you know, on the, on the computer screen, but their body weight will still be way back. Okay. Their, their back knee will start to collapse a little bit, right? Their front hip will start to open a little bit and they'll kind of be upright and their upper body is just kind of sitting here. Yeah. Right. And nothing's happening versus the position that I want them to get in is when they get to heel strike, that rear hip is still pinned. They're centered. They're super athletic. They've got good posture and they can't hardly breathe because their abs are stretched out and so yeah. tight that they're ready to freaking unload. And mm. what will happen is they'll get in that first position. I'm like, okay, if I said swing from right there, what are you going to do? And they're like, uh, well, I can't. Like, And so we'll get in that position. And then even as we start to work through it, what you'll see is they'll be in that position and then they'll have to move mm -hmm. for their body to actually get. And I, then we slow it down and I'll go watch. So the number I'm looking for is usually somewhere around the .2 mark, mm -hmm. like on a T, okay, or, or on front toss. When they get to that launch position and they go, I go from first movement, whatever part of their body moves first to impact. Yeah. Okay. With no rhythm. I've got a, a app on my phone that lets me like count it as we slow the video down. If they can get that to around 0.2 uh, or so two tenths of a second, they're really efficient. And what they'll see is they'll hit the ground and then they'll have like some extra movement that's anywhere from you know 0.4 to point or 0.04 to 0.08 tenths of a second. So you're talking about hundreds of a second. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that when you hit the ground, you still have to do just a little extra before your body's ready to go. When that eight one hundredths of a second, 95 just went a foot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you just turned 95 into 101. So you turn 90 to 95 because you're not landing in a position that's ready to fire from. Yeah. Um, and that is one of the things that I go for. And I know I kind of got away from like the disconnect and whatever, but where your body is at when you land, mm -hmm. okay, the position you're in when you hit the ground, if you don't get there in an efficient way, nothing matters after that mm -hmm. because your body is now trying to play catch up. Okay. I feel like that's when, that's when you cheat. That's when you cheat. That's you lose posture. Yeah. And so what everything from there is your body is trying to then remove slack. Okay. We could talk about slack in a minute. So you're removing slack. You're trying to get back to center and you're trying to get space between you and the ball. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you don't have room to make an efficient move there because you're not in a good position. So your body starts to leave it. We lose posture. We create length. Yeah. All of those things are created by your hand. eye going, Oh crap. I'm not going to get there. I got to do something else to try to get back to the ball, or I got to do something else to try to create power to get the barrel going fast. And that's where we talk about slack removal in the swing. Mm -hmm. Slack, if you think about it, you got two cars, all right? They're 10 feet apart, 
you get a 20-foot rope, okay? If you stomp on the gas on that front car with a 20-foot rope and it's only 10 foot apart, back car ain't going anywhere. So if you hit the ground, right, and you stomp on the, gra the gas with your lower half and you haven't removed the slack out of your upper body, you're now taking time to remove slack, which is yeah. where we see lakes show up. Gotcha. You can't can't fire instantly so you don't start going fast until everything gets caught up mm -hmm. and by that point it's too late when it's too late uh-oh i'm now pulling the barrel through the zone and i can't get back to the ball so i have to leave it with my body yeah right? and then you start seeing a fish so it getting to the ground in a 50 50 position with my rear hip still loaded and my upper body stretched against my forward movement so that when the heel touches the ground i can fire instantly Mm -hmm. is the key to letting the swing start to happen. Because then what it does is because you can fire instantly, it slows the game down. Okay. If it slows the game down, the easier fastballs feel like they are to get to, the easier it is to adjust. If I feel like I have to hurry to a fastball, breaking balls are devastating. Mm -hmm. But if a fastball just feels like, Oh, okay, there it is. Then everything else becomes easier to hit. And that's that right there is what I'm trying to go after with a hitter. Dude, I, that was Every everyone that is that is at a certain level of baseball that can number one understand what you were talking about from the beginning. What you just described, like if I could have listened to this podcast ten years <laughs> ago, I mean that that is like we talked at the very beginning of this podcast. Um, you know, someone changed the way I thought about hitting for forever, and it, it it took him about a half hour of hitting BP together to change like my worldview on hitting. And, and I was like, oh, like it felt like my world fell apart. And I was like, that's how you hit. And it wasn't like, oh, maybe that's how you hit. I was like, no, this kid knows exactly what he's talking about. I was, I was taught the wrong way. And I want, like, I want people to listen to this and, and hear what you're saying and, and go watch you and, and actually watch this video because what you're saying makes so sense. And it's, it's great that you're contextualizing it too. And like the first person that comes to mind is Mookie Betts. I mean, I feel like that guy, he, he has like the best biomechanics I've ever seen just because he's, he's, he's so, I mean, he's small. He's like a buck 70, but I mean like, just like the tension he creates, um, Bo Bichette. He's got, he, uh, Mookie actually had, when they started measuring, um, the hip shoulder separation, Mookie had the most hip and shoulder separation of anybody in the big leagues. Yeah. And I, and you know what? I bet Bo Bichette is going to be right behind him. He's I mean, gonna be right his, there. the, the, the degree of separation between his neck and how much he can get right here. Um, Bias is like that too. Yeah. Oh my. And yeah. And like you, you see these things, and they're like, they used to be quote unquote. I have you know air quotes. They used to be intangible. They're like that guy is quote unquote athletic, and it's like yep. no, he's not athletic. He was just allowed to move freely, like your mm -hmm. awesome coach said. You know what I mean? He's like, you can move freely when you're trying to hit the absolute crap out of the ball. And you're not trying to guide the ball and and, and put on putting all these constraints. And, uh, and actually the drill that you just said where, um, you know, the, the launch position where um, you're like, can you hit from this position? We used to call that like the constraint drill. You know what I mean? And I used to make people sit there and then they would cramp up and they would have to uh -huh. stop. And I go, that's yep. perfect. I go, that's exactly what we want. Because when you add motion to it, it's separate. Was, There's difference well, between static and motion. 100%. And the, the launch drill, when I do it, like the kids will take 10, 12 swings and they're exhausted if they're yeah. doing it right. Cramp. It's so much harder to get the sequence to fire from a static position. Yeah. So then it's like, look, all you have to do is get to that position on time. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
get there on time. Have whatever rhythm you want to do, get into this position on time. Now, if you want to be a simple load guy, like you watch DJ, like DJ's a relatively simple pre-pitch movement, little rhythm, little barrel tilt, and then go. All right. You look at some other guys, like they, they've got big movement. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. As long as you can repeat it. Yeah. Let's let's actually let's dig into that because I mean you we, we haven't even talked about this because honestly I feel like we six hours could go by because I just want to ask you I just want to ask you questions about hitting mechanics but so you've worked with um, some amazing guys and I mean I'm sure you're working with super talented high school college guys but I mean people that that would be recognizable is, is Michael Chavis um, DJ LeMayhew LSU guy right um, you know I looked on you know outfronthitting.com it's like it's you know it's it's your website and so I was looking in there for material and I was like I was like, those are like some of my favorite hitters in the game. Like DJ LeMahieu, don't even like swing or not. Like he's got a gorgeous swing, but like the year he's having is just like incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. And Michael Chavis, I could watch, I could watch his swing all day. The amount of force he creates, the swings he takes, like it's it's just so beautiful. Can you tell us how you work with major leaguers because it's it's so much different. They know what they're doing. But maybe they can't feel what they're doing or see what they're doing. But like, I mean, maybe if I could, you know, what's what's your first conversation with a Michael Chavis? He comes in. He's a big leaguer. He knows what he's doing. How can you say let's change you up or let's do this? Like, what does a so, conversation like that look like? I'll be able to give you really. It's 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 great because with DJ and Chavis, it's such different. The way I met him, what we do, like, so I've known Michael since he was ten. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And we've been hitting together, uh, you know, exclusively since he was 16 uh, when he was in high school. So, so I'm looking at your your coaching on TV right now, right? right. I'm, so Michael Michael's like Michael's like my little brother. Like yeah. we have a very very good relationship. Um, like I said, I, I think of him as you know family, not just you know a kid that I worked with. Um, yeah. So you know with, with Michael, it's been a, a building process. The kid has no question about it the natural God-given talent that that kid has is like to create the, the fast twitch that he does with the power and the leverage. It's just, and I've seen it since he was young. So what for me was getting him to, to understand who he was, what he's trying to do. And you see, he's a student, you know, he's got his notebook and all that. Like, I mean, that's, that that's him, but you know, and, and I've been able to watch him grow as a hitter from a 16 year old to now, you know, 24 year old. It's, it's been really cool. So with Mike, it's a constant daily conversation. I mean, literally every day, you know, how you feeling, what's going on, good, bad, whatever. We talk all the time and he loves to talk hitting. Yeah. Loves it. Okay. Which that's it, almost to a fault. Like, like there's some <laughs> days I'm like, dude, just go hit. Like just, you know, hey, let's go do our thing. So for him, if if I were to say, hey, we need to make this change, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, it, it's it's we've been together so long that there there's a great you know conversation between both of us constantly. Yeah. Um, with DJ, I met DJ when he was already in the big leagues, uh, but it was in it was after the 2014 season, so it was actually right after um, Chavis got drafted. So he got drafted in 2014, that same off season. Uh, DJ just got married and him and his wife moved to Atlanta uh, and his house was actually like a mile from my facility oh, cool. and a mutual, a mutual friend that played in the big leagues. Uh, his daughter went to high school with Jordan, uh, mm-hmm. DJ's wife. Yeah. And so uh, he brought it was like, Hey, he's just looking for a place to hit. 
would you mind if we use the facility because it's right there? So we came in um, and I was like, hey man, look, the place is yours, do whatever you need to. If you ever want me to throw BP, like I'm here, like whatever. So I started throwing BP and it, it was actually pretty cool because I had, I look back on it, I had a hitting group that would call come in because they were all working out at the same place. Um, this place called Rapid Performance in in, uh, in Georgia. I had DJ Charlie Blackman, Charlie Culberson, Josh Rutledge, and Chavis all in a same group that would come in and hit together. <laughs> that so, is a stud of a group. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, you got two batting champions in there, like you know, That's potential pretty, rookie of the year, like I yeah. mean, you know, potential MVP. I mean, it, it, it's just it was really cool. So uh, Charlie. You know, and I won't, I won't really talk. The other guys just came in and hit. They did their own things. Yeah. But me and DJ started developing a relationship. And the way I go about that, so that was to get back to your question, is, and I'll give the, this guy credit because I've learned an enormous amount from him on how to handle professional hitters. You know, we talk a lot about hitting mechanics and philosophy and all that. But Tim Hires uh, is one of my good friends, and I met him when Mike got drafted. He was a hitting coordinator with the Red Sox then. I have learned – so much from him on just how the rapport goes with professional hitters, because you can't come in to a guy that's in the big leagues and go, Hey, do this. He's going to look at you and be like, I'm I'm in the big leagues. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) dude, no. So the way I go about it is first thing, all right, what are your keys? What makes you successful? Okay. And, and I let them, I want them to tell me, all right, awesome. You know, and, and cool. Then that's the same thing I did, you know, with some other guys that have come in. It's the same thing. What are what are your cues? All right. And then, okay, that's what you've done before. Where are you right now? Where do you want to be? What are your goals? You know, who, who do you want to be as a hitter? That kind of stuff. And then I just let them tell me. And I let them work their way through it. And then all I do is I take the things that they have told me make them successful. And I try to say, well, you you told me this is where you want to be. So let's look at some video real quick, okay? Well, what do you see here? Well, I see this, okay? Yeah, like, you know, you said you want to be here, but, you know, we're not we're – not re- and so I'm not doing anything with a big league hitter unless the guy comes to me and is like, I need to make a change, like yeah. big change. Like Pence. I'm trying to – yeah, I'm trying yeah. to help them be the best version of themselves and let them be their own guide. So I'm going to take the information that they've given me and I'm going to kind of put in the stuff that I'm seeing in their language so that they don't think it's, it's really coming from me. It's, it's, they thought of it on their own. You're just, you're you're facilitating this thought for them. You're assisting and you're facilitating thought for them. You're getting their thoughts out of their head so they can, they can express it for like for DJ from a mechanic standpoint, it was, Hey, these are the things I'd like to improve on. And, and then I would say, okay, well, you know, here's how I think we could go about getting there. What do you think? You know, yes, no, don't really like that. I like this. Let's stay with this. And it's just been, and for him, it's just being repeatable. Mm-hmm. Like just be as repeatable as possible. Let's hit the ball as hard as we can, as often as possible. Yeah. And so we've had some drills in here and there, um, you know, some feels and just trying to be as consistent as he possibly can so he can be as competitive as he can. And mm-hmm. he's, it's extremely simple with him and the guys the, and I, I've told some, you know, other reporters, you know, um, Bleacher Report did an article about it. I told them the same thing is, is it, the guy has the best hand eye I've ever seen. 
Yeah. It is ungodly. That's number one. Number two, he's one of the, even though he's very quiet, he's one of the fiercest competitors Mm -hmm. you'll ever see. And so you put those two things together with that swing and oh boy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so I, it's, it's real different with those two, you know, you, and then the minor league guys, the minor league guys that come in, they're more moldable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because what's most of the minor league guys that I've had come in so far, very successful high school, college players. And then all of a sudden they start seeing 97 every day and it's like, Oh crap. Yeah. Now what do I do? So yeah. they're much more eager to learn and make changes and they need to, mm-hmm. because, you know, if they hit 340 with 30 homers, they're probably not going to come see me because like, they don't, they don't need to. Yeah. Like, hey. And I'm going to tell him, you come in, you hit 340 with 30 homers. Like, keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> yeah, don't don't talk to anybody. <laughs> right. Go, just go. do whatever you're doing. <laughs> don't talk to anyone. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's cool. Like, you know, I just had a new kid that's come in the last couple of days. Um, he's a young kid um, in the Astros organization. You know, he he didn't have the year he wanted to have. Uh, you know, shorter. He was like 5'10", strong kid. But, you know, in three days – just giving him the information and it wasn't, you know, the Astros have a very good reputation of, you know, doing things the right way from a hitting standpoint. They, you know, they got a lot of homegrown talent, a lot of really good hitters. Yeah. And so all I was trying to do is like, look, this is what they've been telling you. They're telling you the same stuff. Let's see if we can get a different way to think about it. That makes more sense mm-hmm. than, you know, what, and the other thing is now you have the off season to make the change, you know? So it's, it's not that, and, and pro guys, and I, I was going to go back and tell a story about high school coaches too. Um, anytime you have a coach that's in an organization, th- their job is very hard because you have a lot of guys in a lot of, um, or in a very limited amount of time. Okay, so my job gets way easier because I have more time, less players. It's one on one. We can get into stuff. When you got guys trying to make changes during the season. They're handcuffed. Like, it's yeah. so hard. And so I used to butt heads with high school coaches all the time, okay, because I'd be trying to get guys to do one thing, and the high school coach would be – and I was sitting there like, man, these high school coaches are idiots. They're idiots. So like, And then I, then I got older, and I started to go, you know what, like, I need to look at it more from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So a high school coach has 20 players, okay, and he gets a couple hours a day and he's got to do his pitching. He's got to do his defense, his bunt coverages, his base running. He's got to do everything. He doesn't have the time to spend on that, okay? All right, and here's where the philosophy, and I'm going back to the philosophy that me and you were taught. Why? Why did they tell us that? Mm-hmm. What, what is it about it? It's because you have a vast range of talent at a high school level, okay, or the, or the travel ball level. Your, your talent is you've got some guys that are studs. You've got some guys that are not. Okay, you don't have the time to break down each guy's individual swing, or maybe you don't have the depth of knowledge, and that's okay because you know you're you've got so many other things that you have to be able to focus on. You can't just focus on hitting. My, I have a luxury in my job because that's all I have to worry about. Okay, so the high school coaches, what do they need to do? They need to win baseball games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I got a dude that is mediocre at best talent level, okay, and he's hitting in my seven hole. And I've got him my seven hole because he can catch a ground ball at second base. All right. He's a little guy. You know, I need, I, man, I need to win baseball games. Okay. So what am I going to do? High school defenses and high school pitching are not very good. Okay. So if, what do we do? If we put the ball on the ground, we put pressure on the defense because the defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's where it comes from is they need to win ball games. They need to be productive. The way that happens at the high school level is they put the ball in play. If they put the ball in play, they win ball games. 
because the defense will force the errors on themselves. The problem is, is at higher levels, the pitching is better and the defense is better. So you, the philosophy doesn't work anymore. Now put pressure on the defense, it still does, but I can't put pressure on the defense. The big leagues by hitting the ball on the ground because they're all going to catch it. I got to put pressure on the defense by hitting line drives in the outfield and, and hitting doubles and singles that get out of the infield. Mm-hmm. So it's different, but that, that's why. And so in, as I've gotten older, some all these stupid high school coaches, they don't know what they're doing. Like, God, they're idiots. It's like, no, they just have a different agenda. Their mm-hmm. job is is reliant on them being productive and winning games, not in developing big league hitters. Because of the thousand kids that they have over a twenty year period, they'll get lucky if they have ten go into pro ball. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're more worried about a. And this is I've talked with other people. The goal of high school sports is not to get a scholarship. The goal of a high school sport is to become a good person, learn work ethic, learn teamwork learn how to deal with adversity. That's why you play a high school sport, mm-hmm. okay? Because even, you know, at, if you look at it, even in baseball, which is a higher scholarship level, you're getting 7% of the players going to play college baseball. Yeah. It's like the high school level, you're trying to train young men and young women, right, for, for softball, right? You're, you're not trying to develop a big league swing because you don't have the time, you don't have the talent. You know, now, if you have a head coach that does one thing and then you happen to get lucky and you got a, like a second or third assistant, that really knows hitting and is able to put in extra time. Now you got a situation where you can develop some hitters at the high school level, but most schools don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's it in a nutshell with 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 coaching. And then you run into it in pro ball. Same thing, man. You're in the dugout with guys on daily basis. You still got 13 guys and limited time in BP, and they're more worried about going over four than they are about making a swing change. Mm-hmm. Because they go out there and they feel like crap, All right? And they go over four. What coach trying to make me make this change, man? Like I, I just can't do that right now, mm-hmm. All right? Well, he might be right in the change that he's trying to get you to, to do, but the building process of that change ain't gonna happen. We got to run out there and face ninety-seven because it's gonna change your timing mechanisms, your approach. Like it's hard, and so that's why I really like what I do because I, I'm in a very controlled environment with no worry of failure, no worry about performance the next day. I can break stuff down and rebuild it in a in a you know closed environment instead of the challenges that those guys go through at the pro level. Yeah, man, I I wish every high school coach in this country had your attitude that you have about them. I wish they had that about you because I had the same thing when <laughs> I was too. because I was doing the same thing. Like this is I was trying to tell uh, you know I was I'm training like these high school guys like like a few years back when I'm starting to play crate up and everything. And, and they're getting so much pushback from their coaches. Um, they're all leading the team in hitting, by the way. And, um, and, the, and, and it always and, is. It's the, the kid that's leading the team in hitting, and the coach is mad because he's doing something else. Because he's like, teaching everyone something, and the, and the kid that's disobeying them, I guess, inadvertently sometimes – which is why you're like you got to show respect. You know you got to do the hit the hitting coach dance around the yeah. listen oh, to your dude. listen know. to your high school coach, but do what I say kind of thing. Um, but like, dude, man, I I love you know number one that like it it just shows that that you're just you're leaving the ego at the door and you're really really putting your athletes um, ahead of yourself because just just the fact that you're just saying you know coaches they do want what's best for the high school player. Like they don't want to see you fail. They're trying their hardest, but, but they also, they, they they have day jobs too. They're not like you're, you, you have a company called out front hitting. This is your life. Yeah. They're they're teachers. 
Exactly. Right. So like, it's, they, they don't spend all day on baseball. It's, it's coaching is something else that they do. Like, and that's okay. Like, yeah. that's fine. Like now what's great is I've had here in Michigan, it's worked out really good. I've had two high schools that I was working with some of their players, developed some results. And instead of them fighting it, they just brought their whole team in. Okay. And one of the teams, awesome. like the coach was like, dude, I'm in. And he would come in and take notes and listen so that they could apply what they were learning with me and we could all be on the same page. They won the state championship. So like, if you let's let's talk to the high school coaches because I'm this is turning into a podcast that not only every player, whether you're in maybe not T ball, but a little bit more advanced, you're a competitive high school player, you wanna play pro ball, you wanna play college ball. But if you're a high school coach, these are things you should be listening to. I mean you're thinking about hitting from so many different angles that they just don't have the bandwidth to think about. So, you know, we're living in a time right now where someone can go on Instagram. Like th this is the other thing, right? Um, when we were growing up, we didn't have Instagram or, or, oh, or, or the amount of the stuff. The amount of knowledge, the amount of information that's out there is just unbelievable. Yeah, like a high school coach, to be a student of the game the same way that you, me, all these players, or even that coach when they were playing, they can go to Instagram, they can watch your stuff, they can watch Antonelli's stuff, they can watch Bobby Tewksbury. Like, like baseball coaches, I have like, I'm like fans of baseball coaches now, it's kind of pathetic. But, uh, <laughs> um, but like, what would, talk to a high school coach, right? What, what would you tell them, right? If, if you only had, let me give you some, some constraints right now. If you only had a minute or two to, to talk to a high school coach and say, in these two minutes, this is the most value I can give you to improve your just the hitters on your team, what would, what would you say? And if you could get tactical with that, like actually hitting mechanics, and I know, I know that's a double-edged sword, I know that's an open-ended question, but just do the best you can do with it. Um, so number one is allow your hitters to be allow them to be not okay with failure, but not afraid of it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Don't be afraid of failure. All right. If you go up there and, and you don't get a hit or you strike out or whatever, like that's okay. Let's learn from it. Okay. Cause I, I remember when I was in high school, like there was so much, like it was like, I was terrified to fail. Okay. That was, that's the number one is, is allow your hit hitters to have freedom to fail. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we want to be successful. It's not okay to fail. But we need to not fear it. That's number one. And that's not a mechanical thing. That's a mindset. Um, number two, and this is the, the thing that I talked about with, with the team, one of the teams I brought in this year, was do damage at all times. Hit the ball hard, no matter what, and don't miss fastballs. Mm -hmm. Like we're, We are going to punish fastballs. If you swing and miss a breaking ball, I don't care. Right? We're not missing fastballs. Um so those few things were, let's, let's be ready to hit at all times, let's hunt fastballs, let's be aggressive and not afraid to fail. And then from a mechanical standpoint, let's have good rhythm, good tempo, and good repeatability. Like, and whatever that looks like, like let it be, if you do those, three, those things, and for God's sakes, don't tell your hitters to let the ball get deep. Okay? <laughs> like, dude, hit the ball out in front of him. Now, hit the ball out front, doesn't mean go get it. Hit it out front means stay behind it. Mm -hmm. okay? And one of the things I tell guys all the time is let out front be as deep as possible. Okay. So let the ball come to you and meet it out there. 
don't try to go get it. And that's, you know, well, he's lunging at the ball. He's swinging over breaking balls. Like, again, that goes back to being centered, being balanced. All right. That it, it's all in that same stuff. But did at the high school level, like there was some mechanical tweaks that I made with that team. They had a lot of talent on that team too. But honestly, it was more approach. Mm-hmm. It was, look, man, your swing is, it's pretty good. Your swing, if you're a good high school player, your swing is good enough to work at the high school level. Mm-hmm. All right. Where, and, and this is, I was going to go on to this topic later, but it, it works out right here is you can have the best mechanics on earth. If you don't swing at good pitches and you don't have a good approach, you're going to suck. Okay. <laughs> so there, there's, there's three parts of it. And Tim Hires talked about this with me. Okay. You've got pitch selection and timing approach and mechanics okay they're all three equally important okay but here's the thing you can have great mechanics and a terrible approach and timing and you're never going to hit okay but you can have mediocre mechanics and have a great approach and great timing great pitch selection and guess what you're going to hit all right and hunter pence is the you said that earlier yeah the majority of his career I'm never teaching anybody to hit like that. Okay? But guess <laughs> you what? You can't. He made it work. Guess, guess what? Unbelievable competitor, mm-hmm. great approach, great timing, great pitch selection. He's a career big leaguer, you know, all multiple time all star. He's got World Series rings like, who cares? So this is, we can talk mechanics all day long. All right, but this is where I told you my college coach is really like the mastermind, is the approach, man. Like, I could take a kid that has good enough mechanics and give him a really good approach and he's going to rake mm-hmm. right, and this is the five o'clock hitter uh this is you know the five o'clock hitter is a guy that rakes mvp and can't hit the game okay it is pitch selection timing approach so from from a high school coach standpoint stop messing with their mechanics like let them be free let them swing hard teach an approach okay let's think about driving balls to the big part of the field Let's make sure we stay on the ball. Let's make sure we're aggressive, all right? We're ready to hit at all times. We're slow to the ball. We're smooth. We don't rush, and we're not trying to do too much. And that, I mean, that's that's it. Um, so it, my approach, I can go really into depth with approach stuff too, and that it becomes really hitter specific because mm-hmm. and we talked about Cassianos earlier, like and him and Mark J D Martinez the same way, like they're mm-hmm. right center monsters. Okay. Yeah. But that's that's. Hit every fastball. It doesn't matter. DJ's the same way. It doesn't matter where it is. They're gonna hit fastballs that way. Okay. That, that's when JD. That's why he's clutch. He 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 inside outs balls the other way, which which is not out out front hitting. But then I mean he gets loose on balls and he he, he does have that kind of like head down the whole way through. And you can tell that his he learned how to swing from Miguel Cabrera when he was with the Tigers. Um, he his swing when he started is so much different than now. He is so disciplined, but but I don't, I don't think he has the prettiest swing in the game. I don't think he has. No. I definitely don't think he has he's the best the, swing in the he's, game. He's not what you would say is the ideal swing, but it works for him. But it like works, we, it works, and it works like we, really really freaking good. <laughs> he is so consistent, which is what like blows my mind. That's I think what you're talking about right now is he. I've never seen him take an off balance swing. I I see him swing through balls all day long and then i see him score up a ball i'm like how'd you just miss three balls and then and then hit three balls so hard but he is so disciplined and so consistent um and it's exactly like you said i don't when i see him i don't think like 
I don't think that he's that monster of a player, but he absolutely in his own right is a monster of a player time and time and again, so consistently. And I see guys all the time that I'm like, that swing's better than JD's. That swing's more athletic. They have more bat speed. They have this. JD's a hitter. He's just a good hitter. You know what I mean? Like he, he taught it. He taught himself how to hit. I mean, that, you know, with guidance from other guys, but like that's not what he did naturally. He had to yeah. relearn how to swing a bat. And so, you know, when you're doing that, you're constantly just. He became a student of what he was doing and is completely obsessed with being perfect with it every single time. And that's the results that show up. Yeah. So, you know, you combine that with his approach that he takes. I mean, and it, it, it works. It works for him. But if you try to get, you know. Uh, like Javier Baez to swing like JD Martinez, like, it's not going to work. Disaster. Like, it, they're, they're, yeah, like it's not going to work. Like, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, they don't have to swing. Why do you have to swing? Like, look at Chavis's swing and look at DJ's swing. They're not the same. There's a lot of similarities, mm-hmm. right? But their approaches are totally different. Like, mm-hmm. DJ never pulls fastballs. He doesn't. All right? You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> All right, but. Something he started doing this year is they hang a breaking ball and bah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, watching him, you know, develop as a hitter and understand the things that he struggled with and how pitchers are attacking him and like constantly. And this is the thing, man. The guy wins a batting title, comes right back in, and we're still working on, well, I want a batting title, but I can be better. But I can be better. I can mm-hmm. be better. It's like, that's another thing is never being complacent with where you're at. Your best hitter in baseball, you're still trying to get better. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, you know, if you're like, oh man, I'm good. I'm, it's this day you think you've got it figured out is the day you start getting left behind. Mm-hmm. Dude, so, this is awesome. Um, I got, I got like a couple questions left, just like, just like Spitfire, and uh, and I want to give you the mic and the opportunity to tell people, you know, where where to find you because I I genuinely want everyone <laughs> to listen to this podcast and just be. Like I can hear, uh, you know, number one, how passionate you are about this, but but you're the the way that you just talked about DJ is also, you know, what you're doing. You are an elite hitting coach, and I don't even want to call you a coach. I want to call you like a hitting therapist, or like <laughs> <laughs> or like a, like because it's like you're not just coaching. You're not like telling people what to do. You're listening to them, and uh, and I I just get this like immense amount of respect I have for you, but that you have for everybody. Um, that respects the game and that respects just being good at something. You know what I mean? It's so much fun to watch people who are good at what they do. It could be baseball. It can be wrestling. It could be golf. It can be whatever. But, um, you know, I genuinely just hear that in your voice and I can just, I can, you know, I feed off of that energy and I, and, and you bring the energy for sure. And I love that. And I know your guys feed off that. So, um, you know, just like a quick question is, I mean, if, if, if you could give your, your 16 years, 16 year old self advice, um, you know, what would, what would that advice be? It could be anything. Um, oh man, that's tough. Uh, it is enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. I can enjoy it, especially now as a coach, looking back, like you, you don't realize how short your time as a player in the game is. So like, instead of constantly looking towards the future, like, like live for right then, like, do everything you can in that moment to be as good as you can right then. And you'll get to where you want to get to in the future. I see so many kids look past where they are right now mm-hmm. instead of enjoy the game, enjoy the time to dugout with your, with your friends and your teammates and try to soak it in, like soak as much of it as you possibly can 
like, like I said, be a student of the game and just just life and, and youth in general is is just enjoy it instead of constantly looking down the line. Because as a 16 year old, what do we want to be? We want to be 18. And as an 18 year old, what do we want to be? We want to be 21. Yeah. Right. And then you could be 35 and you're like, damn, I wish I was 21. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm getting there too. I'm like, oh man, to be to be 18 again. But uh, yeah, go so ahead. That's, that's the thing is just, is, is don't dwell on the past. Have a short memory, but learn from your mistakes. Uh, don't be afraid of failure. So like, like strive to succeed and don't let failure get in your way, both, both you know, emotionally and physically. And then, the last part of it is, is like I said, just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Like, you know, the end goal is I want to, I want to get to college and I want to get to the, get to pro ball. I want to get to the big leagues, but like enjoy the process of it. You know, and that's as a coach, like I enjoy the, the end result is my guys doing well when they get to the season, but you have to love the process. If you want to be successful as a player in this game, you better love the process. If you don't love the process, you're not going to succeed because that's, the results only come from the process. So you have to be able to love the process. And if you don't love it, go do something else. Like <laughs> make really good yeah. grades. Yeah. Like that's 16 year old self too. My parents did a good job of that is I made really good grades because it was just pounded into my head and it worked. It, it helps me the way it's like, make sure you're focused on your education because most of us don't get the chance to, to get to where we're playing a game and making enough money at it that we can only do that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, th- that's that's amazing advice, and it really is. And it's 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 some of that advice that these kids are going to hear over and over and over again, and then it's just not going to sink in until a certain point. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, but I mean, that's that's just great advice. And I and and if 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 you know if you're 16, if you're 18 out there, if you're 24, and you you still you're still playing. You're the indie ball grind, and you're you know you're eating it at 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 gas stations and stuff. Like mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, I can't wait to make money playing baseball. This, and then and then you look back, and I was like, I used to eat like tuna fish and cheeseburgers and travel the country with my friends hitting a baseball, and I don't totally even care. Like, it, I know, dude. Like, and oh. it's it's just it in in when you're when you're in that you just don't realize it until you kind of take yourself out and you're like you're like at that time I was always trying to get to the next step but man that's such great advice and I I do want everyone to just kind of think about that and take that to heart cuz it's uh I mean it's it's a time of your life you'll never get back for sure um mm-hmm. so my next my next question last one um it's the billboard question so if you if you had a billboard um, can't put in any like advertising for your company or anything on it. Just something to get out to, um, you know, it could, it could be the world. Um, it could be anything. It could be just kind of your life philosophy. What's that? Or if you want to just do like a quick thing of hitting advice, but a billboard. So it's, it's kind of like a one liner type of thing or two lines. Um, what would that billboard say? Ooh, that man, you got some good questions. Um, <laughs> For me, you know, and everything that I would do is is love what you do every day. Mm-hmm. If you don't love what you're doing, do something else, mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to do what you love. That's that's so I love. Uh, there's two things outside of God, my wife and my son. There's two things that I love. 
Number one is hunting. I spend every chance I can in the woods enjoying the outdoors. That's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I haven't had any job opportunities to be a professional hunter and have a TV <laughs> show doing that. Um, so I picked baseball. Yeah. No, it is anything in your it, you people always talk about you know in, when we're when we're young you know youth is lost on the young and that's kind of what I was saying about enjoy what you do is people go to work and they they are like well I'm working here it's a means to an end mm-hmm. well what's, what happens is you're going to work in the same place for 40 years and then you're now now what now you're 65 years old and now you're trying to enjoy what, what are you doing like you don't wait to enjoy life. Like enjoy what you're doing now by finding something that you're passionate about. That and this is the greatest reward in my job is I'm passionate about doing something that I love doing that helps other people reach their goals and their dreams. Mm-hmm. Like how can you ask for anything better than that? <laughs> like because the rewards I get are getting to see other kids reach their goals and their dreams and have success. So like that's like I'm. I feel like I'm the luckiest dude on earth. Like, you kidding me? I get to do this every day. Like, I get to wear freaking shorts and a t-shirt and <laughs> throw baseballs to kids. Like, it's awesome. So, like, any, but it doesn't have to be baseball. It doesn't have to be deer hunting. Whatever. It's if you don't love what you're doing, what are you doing? Like, how how are you supposed to be the best version of yourself as a business person if you can't sell yourself out to what you're doing? Like, how? Like you're never going to be a hundred percent. You're never going to be as successful as you're capable of being if, if you don't love it because you're not going to give everything to it. You're going to be just going through it, trying to get to the weekend, trying to get to, oh man, I just want to get out of here and get home. And I'll tell you right now, like when I'm running 60 hours a week, all right, and I'm, I'm working with 300 hitters a week and I'm, I'm gone from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. six days a week. Like it's a grind, bro. Like it is a grind. And there's days when I'm in here and I'm just like, uh, but the, what keeps me coming back is when I see that 14 year old kid, something clicks and he texts me that night. He's like, coach, I just hit a freaking tank bomb tonight. Like that, that I'm like, you know what? All right. It's worth it. The only time I get frustrated in this is when I want it more than the kids do. Okay. Now, and it happens and it happens more than I like. Okay. If you come in and, and, you know, if there's any kids that are listening to this that are thinking about trying to come in and hit with me, if I want you to get better more than you want to get better, you better not walk through my door because mm-hmm. I'm going to call you out. And I do that a lot. If I get kids that aren't selling out when they're in here, why are you here? Like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing here? Like, you obviously don't want to be here. Like, you're not, your parents are making you come here. Parents, you're lighting your money on fire. I don't want your money. Send your kid home. <laughs> I'd rather not have a kid there than have a kid that, that, that doesn't want to be here. So, that goes into everyday life is is do what you love and sell out to it a hundred percent okay most people in life are scared because they get comfortable okay but they're unhappy like you know and and i'm not saying you know go do something that is gonna take food off the table for your for your children you know it's it's not that but it's like when you're our age or you know i'm getting old now (laughs) when, when you when you're in your teens and your 20s, like figure out what you want to do and then freaking go after it. And don't let anybody tell you no and love what you do. If you do that, you'll be successful. All right. And it's just the other thing is don't be afraid to talk to people. 
the the best thing in life is is relationships with other people. The more people you know, the better relationships you have with people, the bigger your network becomes and the more resources you have and that's how you start to become successful long term. So be able to talk to people. If you can communicate with people and and have good rapport and good conversations, then that takes you a long way in life. You'd be amazed at the things that you can do because of who you know, not what you're capable of. Dude, absolutely amazing advice. I I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm, I'm getting chills. I know, I know that text you're talking about when uh, when when the kid that you've been working with, the Chavis, that's that's your little brother. He texts you, and and you just know what you're doing is is making a difference. There's there is there is nothing like it. And it's it's so amazing, and um, you know, part of part of the most fun part about Playcrate now, my my agenda switched. It's having guys on like you. You know what I mean? That that this this might be my little contribution is this podcast where a kid hears you. And they, they get pumped up and they get motivated and they really take your advice to heart and uh, and it helps them achieve what they want. You know what I mean? And and I'm just so happy we had this conversation, man. Oh, I mean, I awesome. we we could we could honestly talk all day. Like I, I I just looked at our you know we cut out in the middle. I just looked at the second thing and we've already done a full podcast on the uh, since we cut I know, out. And I'm, I'm looking at the <laughs> clock and I'm like, oh crap, my lesson's starting 15 minutes. Like I gotta yeah. I gotta stop talking. I mean, it it the 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 time just flew by. So I'm sure we'll have a round two. Um, but you know, I, I want to, I want to let tell everybody and I, I'm going to let you have the mic too, is, um, I want everybody to go follow, um, Casey out front hitting. I mean, I just end up being on your page, just watching people's swings. Like <laughs> I just watch people's <laughs> swings. It's like good swings, bad swings, like lefty, righty. It's, I, I just find like, I, I do the mindless scrolling and I just watch swings like all day. Um, <laughs> But uh, but that's that's kind of how I found you. I just started following because I, I liked your stuff, and then everything you said, I was like, this guy is his superpower is communication and caring. I can tell how much you care, and 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 you're such a great communicator. And I just want to to kind of spread your knowledge as much as I can because I I'm a huge believer in it, and uh, and I really appreciate what you're doing. So so thank you, and and, I and this is that, great. Man. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you, I know you have some people uh, that you're working with. I know you got projects you're working on. Like the mic is yours. Tell everyone where to find you, how to get in yep. touch with you, and anything you need. So um, obviously, it's out front hitting on Instagram. Uh, I will be this fall. I'm going to go into uh, Facebook, Twitter. I'm trying to get YouTube going. That's uh, also I'm actually meeting with my web designer. I've got my website up right now. It's outfronthitting.com. Uh, right now, the only thing I've really got on it is the ability to send me videos and me to do video analysis. I've actually got that closed because I was getting completely overwhelmed and I just didn't fit time uh, to get as and, and to dedicate it to them as long as well as my lessons in here. So um, it's out for anything. Something I've changed is I was going to do like a membership based thing where people can have access and they get drills and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've been rethinking that and what I'm going to be doing. So this is some of the stuff I've got coming up for the fall is you notice on my Instagram page, I talk a lot about concepts, teaching moments, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I never really post any drills. So something I'm going to start doing is I'm going to double up on content. I'll still have the same teaching moments, but I'm going to start posting drills every couple of days. All right. This is what this hitter was working on. This is how we were getting him to do that because I feel like my information isn't a secret. Right. I, I don't have I don't need to charge people for my information where I need to charge people for is the ability to apply that information to them. That's when you come see me is how do I get 
that information to make sense for me. So that's that's the biggest thing that I've got, you know, going forward. So I'm going to start posting drills on the website, on Instagram, all that kind of stuff going forward. I've also got some really cool partnerships. Uh, I've partnered up with Bombat. Uh, so we're going to be doing some things. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So those guys over there are great. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, K-Motion, I uh, just recently got my K-Vest in. We'll be posting a lot of stuff on how the K-Vest works. Um, you know, so I've, I've got a few other things kind of in the works. So, but those are going to be the two big ones right off the bat. Uh, like I said, and the, and the drills coming up. Because I, like I said, I just want people to have as much information as they possibly can. Um, the more I feel like I can get that information out there, you know, the, the better it's going to help hitters. So, uh, you know, just be looking for that as we go through the fall. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, man, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this is a blast. We'll definitely have to do a round two. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and I just can't thank you enough. So my pleasure, man. Uh, awesome. look forward to doing it again soon. And, uh, I appreciate the time. Great. Talk soon. Bye. Okay.